Nelson, and our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, the living in a mitote. <laughs> we'll get into that, Mr. Eric Robertson. Good evening. Um, how you doing, babe? I'm doing like really good. Uh, I'm doing good because I am so, you didn't ask, but I'm really excited for episode 116, being impeccable with your word, four agreements read along, part one. Um, so we prefaced this, but if you've missed it, this kicks off a series of read-alongs, meaning we're going to be discussing the four agreements found in the book by the same title, The Four Agreements, by Don Miguel Ruiz. Now, if you have not had a chance to read the book or pick up a copy of the book, I don't even think you need to stop right now. I want you to just live your life. I want you to just live your truth. I think that after listening to us talk about this first agreement, you're going to be so excited about the book. You're going to want to join the rest of the read-along. The good news is, is the book is exactly under 100. It's 140 pages. 140 pages. If you listen to it on Audible, it is going to take you about two hours to listen to it. So if you've been wanting to read, reading more has been part of your goal for 2020. This is a great way to do it. And other than that, we just really, really believe that each of the four agreements and talking about them with you guys and getting your feedback on them and doing this together is just really going to help you feel more awesome than you did before. So if you did want to join the read-along, I mean, there's nothing official you have to do. We're just going to be doing it here on the podcast. But if you do want to go to theallisonshow.com, that's Allison with one L forward slash read-along, all one word, read-along, I've got some really funny really cute bookmarks as free downloads for you. We also have links to our free trial on Audible so you could listen to the book or a hard copy of the book if you wanted to buy it. All of these links are in the show notes or in the link of the podcast you can find. True story. Okay, let's just get into it. How many times have you read this book, Eric? Uh, This may be my fourth. Yeah, this might be my fourth. I don't know. I've been rereading each section. You know, it was really fun. I actually quickly had to go get some face stuff done today. And by had to, I mean decided to like a princess. Mm -hmm. And I was able to, for like, you know, another time, listen to the section on the first agreement. And I picked up some even more insight. I'm excited to talk about. But let's get into what's the concept of the four agreements? The basis of the whole thing is it's an ancient wisdom. um, Toltec wisdom. The Toltec is basically um, a collection of writings of ancient wisdom from ancient Americas. And it's been passed down. It was interesting in the book, they had to hide it or um, when the Europeans invaded Mm. their culture, they had to hide it. It was something that got like disturbed. So it was passed on through families and stuff. But Don Miguel Ruiz is now, you know, put it in book form for everyone. So the Four of Agreements is ancient wisdom brought to us today. There's a first section and we're not actually going to go into that. We're going to briefly cover it here, but definitely don't skip it. It's one of my favorite parts of the book and it's so rich. I actually will just listen to it on repeat 
eat sometime. Yes, these are the kind of cool things I do when left to my own devices. But he calls it the the domestication of humans. And through this domestication, like you think of domesticating like a wolf into like a pet animal, we learn how to live and how to dream. This outside dream, our outside belief system is taught to us by mom or dad or our religion or our society. He talks about this domestication of the planet and basically how we're all dreaming. If you don't ever read stuff like this, you're just going to be like, WTF, what are you talking about, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so good. Like, what could possibly be better than to read things that make you go WTF? That's why you should read. Exactly. So I want to challenge you if you especially are like, what is this dream of the planet, domestication of humans? This sounds like a bunch of crap. (laughs) I definitely want you to read it because it's going to open your mind even more. And just from the domestication and dream of the planet chapter, Don Miguel Ruiz says, during the process of domestication, we form an image of what perfection is in order to try to be good enough. We create an image of how we should be in order to be accepted by everybody. We especially try to please the ones who love us, like mom and dad, big brothers and sisters, the priest and the teacher. Trying to be good enough for them, we create this image of perfection, but we of course can't fit this image. We create this image, but the image is not real. We are never going to be perfect from this point of view. Never. I remember about, I think it must have been four or five years ago, I sat down and I was like, okay, it is so important to me to write a book. I'm wondering why I haven't written a book. And I created what I called the rules of Allison, like laws that Allison lives by. And they kind of just poured out of me. They were absolutely my process of domestication. I'm not even saying there are rules that other people told me. There are rules that I didn't know I lived by. As I was writing them, I was realizing that in order for something to be good, I truly believed I had to suffer. I truly believed that I had to make myself suffer because if I didn't suffer, I wasn't working hard enough. So that would you would call that an agreement you made and with yourself? And that's what Don Miguel Ruiz would say. We've made thousands and hundreds of agreements with ourselves. Most of them not consciously. Not consciously. And, and some of them are conscious. Like you've decided maybe how you want to behave in society. You've decided your morals. Maybe you've decided a particular religion that you want to align with, right? These are some conscious agreements. But in order to realize how many agreements there are that we have not realized we sign up for, he suggests these four agreements. And if you will adopt and try to act on these four agreements by living them, it's going to help undo all of the unconscious agreements you've made. Yeah, he says that the collective human dream is is the dream of hell because we've enslaved ourselves with all these agreements that that no one actually has agreed to. And so these four agreements free you from that and they help you experience heaven on earth and you can have an amazing life now. And so that's the basis of why these four agreements exist and why you should live them. This is an insanely popular book. You can look up the four agreements anywhere. Once you know it, you'll realize how often it's cited in pop culture, how often people bond over it, characters and TV shows. What's the show we were watching when we were dying? The drug lord loves the book. It's uh, Barry. Barry, yeah. <laughs> like the, the evil drug lord is like... It's ta- the Eastern European gang guy. Like, yeah. He's, the, he's, with alopecia. <laughs> 
he's talking about how much he loves the book, The Four Agreements. I mean, it really is. It's a huge, huge book. I just really remember reading it. And as I started to adopt these agreements in my life, they've seriously changed my life around for the better. So we're excited to move into our first agreement. And the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. I've actually read a couple things lately that define what sin is. One definition I have that somebody said in another book I was reading is that sin is missing the mark. That's super interesting because when he's talking about being impeccable... No, what he says about sin is he breaks it down to the Latin root. Impeccable means to, to not go against yourself. To not go against yourself. And, and that comes from, like, it's related to sin, where it's like sin is going against yourself. It's going against your own so when nature. You're going, yeah, when you're going against your true nature and your true self, then you're sinning. So when he talks about this idea of being impeccable with your word, I kind of like both definitions of that, of like you're missing the mark or you're going against yourself. When you think of this, when you go against yourself, you're separating from your power. Like you're separating from everything that is you. But so often in order to fit this dream of the world, in order to fit these ideas that we don't even realize we're carrying around, we do. We go against ourselves. And this is the promise um, from Don Miguel Ruiz of the Fourth Agreement, that if you do it, you will find heaven on earth. Transcend to heaven on earth. The level of existence that he calls heaven on earth. And I just, I love how freaking bold that is. And he says, it sounds very simple, but it is very, very powerful. And he says, why your word? Your word is the power to create. I just love that because I want you to not just think about your word in terms of like talking and speaking, but your word as... Your energy. It, he, well, he says that. He says yeah. it's your energy. And, he's, and that's that's what you create with is your energy. Your energy. Your, your word is a manifestation of your energy. He says the word is not just a sound or a written symbol. The word is a force. It is the power you have to express and communicate to think and thereby to create the events in your life. One goal for the read-along for me is to be reading this and living it and then to come back and report to you guys where I find myself getting tripped up. And so I have been living because I've been excited. I've been so excited about the read-along. I have been really trying to live this being impeccable with your word for, it's been about two or three weeks and, and to say like several years, but like I go on and off where like I'm really conscious of it. And I remember one specific example where I felt like I was just failing. It was fresh in my mind. And I was sitting with some people. They had come to my office and we were visiting. They were talking to me about their business. And we were sitting in my front room and there's all these windows. There's a bunch of offices around me. And I looked out the window and this guy was walking up into the office who I haven't seen in years. The last encounter I had with him, he said something wildly offensive to me. Like it was so rude and so offensive just to my face, kind of in a teasing, but in like such a mean way that other people who were with me stopped and were like, did you really just say that to her? I was talking to somebody about this. Often when people are like truly offensive or say something really mean to me in the moment, I like don't even realize how mean or offensive it is. But this was the type of thing that was just so blatantly rude that other people commented on it. Okay. And when I saw him, I had through my mind flash, be impeccable with your word, be impeccable with your word. And let's call him Snoopy because I want you to understand the inflection in my voice. I look out the window, I see this person and I go, Oh, it's Snoopy. Cause that's not his name. Okay. (laughs) 
I say this almost involuntarily and I'm sitting with like some members of my team and these other people and I'm like, be impeccable with your word. You don't need to talk about him. But they're like, oh, do you know Snoopy? How do you know Snoopy? And I could not stop myself. I, I, I truly, I had be impeccable with your word racing through my mind and I could not stop myself from saying, oh, well, the last time I saw him, he said about me. And I repeated what he said as I was consciously sitting there thinking, be impeccable with your word. And like, will you defend me? Like, I really go out of my way to not talk about people. Yeah, you don't gossip. I, like, I, I've made it like a huge priority in my life to not gossip. If I say something ever about someone, the, the test I do is, would I say it if they were standing here next to me? And to be honest... If Snoopy had been standing next to me, I would have said it. Like, I know I would have said it. I would have said like, oh, hey, Snoopy, remember last time I saw you and you said this to me? But even then, like the energy that came out behind it, I was so surprised with myself that I said that. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk negatively about him, you know, but like it wasn't a kind thing that he said about me. What I did is I said crap, I thought I was over that. Apparently I'm not. He's a lovely person, very talented, and I'm going to go ahead and work on getting over that. I said that to the people I was talking to. In the past, when I've tried to live this challenge of being impeccable with my word, and then inevitably I'm going to come up short, I just will beat myself up. I'll be like, oh my gosh, oh, I wasn't impeccable with my word. Oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm a terrible person because like I couldn't get over the, the thing he said to me. What I've learned in the last few years is I forgive myself. I chose, I didn't even like choose almost. It was like this reaction. So where's my choice in this matter? Sometimes we say things, words just come out of our mouth. The thing that was particularly frustrating is like, I heard the warning and the alert go off. Like I was even aware of what I was saying. You know what it is? It's like a compulsion to make myself feel better. That's that's really what it was. It was like, I can't sit with this. I have to say it out loud. It's going to make me feel better to say it out loud. So I'm sharing how I failed at this is the point of this story, right? But what I did is I, I realized, okay, I'm going to do some more work on forgiveness with that individual, with Snoopy. I'm also going to forgive myself and choose love and just choose to do better next time, which is the only thing we can do. Like, it's almost impossible, I think, to be perfect at this. Yeah. What's interesting, two things. One is he talks in the first chapter that we're not covering about how we become the judge and jury and we punish ourselves over and over and over and over. And we are the only creature on earth that does that. If another animal makes mistakes in nature, there's a natural correction. You know, it gets fixed, but we beat ourselves up so much and we're not kind to ourselves. But one thing with the with this first agreement, which he says is extremely difficult to master, one thing that if I was going to ha- tell someone to get started or that I can get started on is to just stop gossiping and just be mindful of that one thing. Yeah. Because he says, he says, looking at everyday human interactions, imagine how many times we cast spells on each other with our word. Over this time, this interaction has become the worst form of black magic and we call it gossip. Gossip is black magic at its very worst because it is pure poison. We learned how to gossip by agreement. When we were children, we heard the adults around us gossiping all the time, openly giving their opinions about other people. They even had opinions about people they didn't know. Emotional poison was transferred along with the opinions, and we learned this as a normal way to communicate. And this is a part of the the earth hell that he he says. He also says that gossiping has become the main form of communication in our human society. And I actually think that is completely true. Like, Oh, I, I agree. It's interesting because let's look at the agreements that must have been programmed in me to think it was okay to say, oh, there's Snoopy. Last time he saw 
saw me, he said this about me. Okay, so the agreement I've made is with myself is I don't gossip, I don't talk negatively about people. So this is great because I broke my own rule. Why did I break my own rule? Okay, let's sink one level deeper where like I must have felt kind of justified right? I must have felt a little bit justified because he said something negatively about me where it was like, well, he said something negatively about me in front of a bunch of people (laughs) to my face. Yeah. After I had really invested in this person and I thought we were friends. So I think that's also why it really hurt when it was like, oh, that's your true feelings about me. So it's interesting because I think somewhere like I must have picked up on an agreement where like, well, I don't say anything negative about people, but if it fits all these parameters. But if it's bad enough. But if it's bad enough, I'm just, right? But what's interesting, if you were alone, you wouldn't have said anything out loud. You would have had these thoughts to yourself. I think I probably would have said something out loud knowing me, but 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 not to another person. But there's people in the room. Yeah. And then you felt justified to speak it out because he says misery loves company. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. It probably was because like I'm saying like, this is vulnerable because I feel like I really pride myself in not speaking negatively about other people. And so I feel very vulnerable in sharing this. Like I need to keep saying, guys, I never speak negatively about people, but that's what it was. So you're not perfect and this is really hard to do. That's okay. Yeah, but then I'm worried everybody's judging me. That's another agreement that we were going to cover in a couple weeks. I know. That's why this book is so good. Oh, it's so, so good. So what I want to share now is a takeaway that I got from this time of reading it that I hadn't gotten before. And he he talks about it on page 28, that the human mind is like a fertile ground where seeds are continually being planted. The seeds are opinions, ideas, and concepts. You plant a seed, a thought, and it grows. The word is like a seed and the human mind is so fertile. The only problem is that too often it is fertile for the seeds of fear. Every human mind is fertile, but only for the kinds of seeds it is prepared for. When we were talking about the word as energy, when we are thinking of our minds as this fertile soil, I love the idea of part of being impeccable with your word is tending to the soil of your mind, tending to the garden of your mind. What am I preparing my mind for? What am I making my mind a garden of? And when I fill my mind with negative self-talk, negative stories, and fear-based and scarcity-based ideas... And gossip. It leads to gossip. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, I've even consciously made the idea, like made the agreement that I'm not going to gossip and yet gossip still popped up. And it's because the soil of my mind, there's still some fear there. There's still some worry maybe about what Snoopy said is true. And so I feel the need to defend it. That's that's on me. People say slightly offensive things to me all the time. But why did his, why did his seed take purchase in my soil. <laughs> well, I don't, right? I, don't I, I wasn't there and maybe at the time you partially agreed with what he said in a way. I might still partially agree with exactly. what he said. That's that, why it took That's why it hurt so much. That's why it hurt so and that's why the seed planted itself so deep. Right. That's why I mean it's honestly been like 3 or 4 years since he said this thing. Mm-hmm. Much meaner, harder things have happened even though it was in a playful tone. That's even worse. Right? But that's what I'm saying like even though it wasn't like oh I started crying when I saw him or it caused some sort of actual reaction, the soil of my mind was prepared to accept that negative seed. Mm-hmm. The only way that you're going to be able to be impeccable with your 
word is to be conscious of the soil of your mind because negative thoughts yield negative results. That's it, period. Negative seeds yield negative plants. That's that's literally like principle of nature. And this is why I say you can't hate yourself into to loving yourself. You can't you can hate yourself. You can't hate yourself into perfection. Which I've really tried. I've really tried to hate myself into perfection. I've really tried to beat myself into submission. Even though I didn't think it was hurting anybody else, it was creating a mind that was totally fertile for negative seeds to be planted by other people. Seeds of anxiety, seeds of doubt, seeds of fear. For me, it's just seeds of it's not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I need to do more. I need to achieve more. I need to be more. I need to please more so that anything and everything could suggest to me that I needed to do more. So back to the vernacular of not singing against yourself being impeccable. You were not being impeccable at all because you you were going against yourself. Yeah. And I think that's where most of us need to start. Yeah. Is we're going, we're going against ourselves. And not just knowing that you're going against yourself, but seeing and understanding how you're going against yourself by not being impeccable. So often in the conversations that get brought up, I mean, specifically if you're a woman and I'm interested, Eric, is your experience as a dude online. I drive by this big billboard by our house that is a quote unquote wellness spa. What does that freaking wellness spa do? Botox, waxing, laser hair removal. And I'm like, it makes me so annoyed because I'm like, dude, get all the Botox, get all the laser hair removal, whatever. Don't masquerade that as wellness. That's not wellness. That's not balance. That's not self-care. That's Beauty, which is gorgeous and fine, and and it can be a form of self-care, but we masquerade all of these really superficial things as wellness, and so that when we talk about self-care and we talk about self-love, it loses its luster. It loses its real impact because, to me, what real self-care and what real self-love is tending to the soil of your mind, making sure that your mind is in a place so that when the definitely gonna happen negative seeds of your, your own thoughts and the words and actions of others are like thrown at you they don't create these thick just thorn bushes that you can't get out of they find no purchase in your soil we gotta quote what song we what that what song is that it's from the crash test dummies (laughs) swimming in your ocean it is a good song eric likes to sing it to me so is that what is the line that when you let me taste your fingers i take them like fruit and as i linger i wonder if my seed will find purchase in your soil. (laughs) It makes me so happy. It's such a good song. It's such a good line. Okay, for me, when I'm going into any sort of situation where I might be intimidated or I might be overwhelmed or I might be feeling social anxiety, I just try to stand in my power. I have a definition of, for me, what standing in my power is. Standing in my power for me is being in a place of ease, not trying to puff up, not trying to prove anything, not thinking that I need to look smart or funny or accomplished, but also just standing in my power. In my power, I feel confident 
to make a joke. I feel confident to engage with someone. I feel confident to walk up and talk to a stranger. So that's my first tip for being impeccable with my word is trying to just remain in my power. And what that looks like for me, honestly, is meditation, reading. It's it's a life practice for me. It's truly just how I try to live my life. My second tip is watch how you speak to yourself or tend to your soil. Just be really aware of how you speak to yourself. So how can you watch how you speak to yourself? Journal, write. I've just noticed when I catch myself in some really negative spiraling talk, I will call Eric or I'll I'll call Julie on my team. There's a couple people I'll call and I'll say, can I just tell you what I'm saying out loud in my, I need to say out loud what I'm saying to myself right now. Because even saying it out loud to a trusted person sometimes helps me catch where I'm at. And if you're not in a place where you feel like you can be safe in sharing with somebody the ideas in your head, definitely journal them. But also, I think sometimes when you're in a dark place or a low space, you believe your own lies, which is why I love to give a plug for therapy. If you feel like you're in a place where you just have some really toxic soil that's been crapped up through a lot of years, that's literally one of the best reasons just to talk to someone, a counselor, a coach, so that you can realize like all of the weeds that are deep rooted in there. One of the things he talks about is loving yourself and talking to yourself in a, with white magic and love. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that is I don't have you, you do, but I don't have verbal conversations in my head where I beat myself up. You know, like George Mar- Michael on Arrested Development when he's failing school and he's like, I'll never get into college. I'll never. Yeah. And Michael's like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have that, but I do have negative emotions, which are the equivalent of beating myself up. So I've been, I've been more conscious to verbally in my mind, say very kind things to myself. So if you're like me and you don't actually have a dialogue saying you're an idiot, you suck. I have like a nonstop dialogue in my head to the point where multiple times a day on stressful days like today, I say, everybody just needs to calm down. Yeah. I've said that out loud three times today. Yeah. I can't imagine being you. (laughs) Well, I have, you know, I I can have shame or I can have disappointment in myself, but it's not a dialogue. But but the the opposite of that is I can bring a positive dialogue to myself and I have been. I love that. It is so powerful. You pumping yourself up, man. Yeah. I I like love myself so much more this week. It's It's great. It's so great. I love that. Okay. So that was number two. Check how you speak to yourself. Watch it. Tend to that soil. And Eric's, for me, it's being observant because it's a constant dialogue and trying to calm that down with some meditation is always a goal for me. And for Eric, it's just putting in some positive dialogue. Mm -hmm. I love that for you. Okay, number three for how, these are my how-tos for speaking impeccably that have helped me is forgive yourself. Just forgive yourself. Watch yourself and forgive yourself and watch yourself and forgive yourself. It's emotional poison to keep beating yourself up. It really is. It's not serving anyone. It's not going to get you to your goal faster, but I do have a tell. And so I have a couple of tells for when I'm saying something I know I shouldn't be saying. And do you want to know my tell? Sure. It comes from you. One time early in our marriage... So I was upset with Eric and I went out with my sister Andrea who lived in the same town at the time. So I'm with my sister Andrea and I really, I was annoyed with Eric, but I wasn't as annoyed as I was playing up. It was kind of like the drama of the moment. I was saying stuff and my phone had called Eric and he heard it all. 
and he heard it all. It was horrible. I felt like I see it was, it's not funny. You're laughing, but it wasn't funny. It was horrible. And listen, I, I honestly don't remember any, I don't remember anything you like, said. Like I said, thank you. But, but this is what I remember. I'll never forget what he said to me. Cause we'd only been married like a year and, and this, our 12 year anniversary is coming up. He picked up, I, I picked up the phone and I just said, honey, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean half of what I said, but I shouldn't have said it. Like I just started apologizing. Like there was nothing else to do. And he just said, well, if that's how you feel, we should talk about some things. And that's what you said. You're so icy. He was so <laughs> icy. And then he just like got off the phone. Okay, when I am saying something I shouldn't be saying, I compulsively check my phone to make sure it hasn't called the person. That's crazy. It's a sub. It is 12 years later. It is a subconscious act. That is crazy. I don't even realize I'm doing it. I start diving for my phone. It was such like a scarring thing that happened. Like I never wanted that to happen again. But now if I'm talking and I find myself going for my phone, I'm like, oh girl, you better back up on what you're talking about. That is so crazy. Isn't it? So like I have a tell. I have a tell. That's crazy. And I think that you guys will notice. I bet other people have tells too. I'm really excited to hear if if you guys notice tells about yourself. Like if you're saying something that later you're like, this isn't an, an alignment with my highest self. This is not me speaking impeccably. Right? But don't you love I have this like huge tell. It's like it's like a compulsive tick, honestly. Okay. So that's number three, forgive yourself and watch your tells. And then number four is just, I've heard this a lot of times, but it's like the best thing I've heard for like checking if you should say something, especially when you're wanting to have a hard conversation with somebody where you're like, well, is this speaking impeccably? It, like, I need to have this conversation and they hurt me and we need, right? And this is what it is. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? I've had some very difficult conversations in the last year or so. Hard feedback to, to give or receive has been said with kindness. And it has been true. It was necessary in order to heal the relationship or move forward or make repairs, right? So I'm not saying we never talk about anything negatively. We don't have open conversations. We don't communicate our needs. We don't put up healthy boundaries. None of that is not speaking impeccably. You know, putting up healthy boundaries is about being true to yourself, not going against yourself. But for me, that barometer is, is it kind? Is it true? And this is the one that always gets me, but is it necessary? And that's the one that stops me and has really been helpful for like, it wasn't necessarily mean. It wasn't kind what I said about the Snoopy guy where I was like, but it wasn't like flat out mean. I was just like repeating what he said. It was true, but it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. So if I had, you know, been able to bite my tongue. Um, okay. And then the fifth point that has really helped me when I'm trying to speak impeccably is listen with intent. Really listen. If you're like me and your default might be to say too much to numb or cover up or feel comfortable rather than Eric's default, which is, I think, to not talk, then I think you have to work on this a little harder, which is this has helped me not say so much is to just really listen with intent, listen with understanding. And so for me, a lot of time, the intention I have when I listen is to understand their perspective, to understand their experience, to understand their truth, to understand the agreements that they've made with themselves, the agreements that they're coming from. When I do that, it helps me speak impeccably because rather than thinking about my opinion, what I have to say, blah, blah, crap, 
it has me thinking about the other person and trying to understand them. When I think about my favorite people, it's the people who listen. Yeah. Like, I, I, there are more fun people that I can think of, but my favorite people are the listeners. It's so true because it feels so deliciously satisfying to, to be seen and to feel heard. They're being impeccable with their word. Their energy is like blessing, you know, it's uplifting me and them. And you know, this has helped me again a lot in social situations where I worry about having the right thing to say so often, especially in teaching and doing podcasts and doing keynotes. And I've got a huge keynote coming up this week. I'm going to be in Alt Summit in Palm Springs. So I'm doing the closing keynote. My anxiety and my energy has kind of been spinning. And I was talking to Julie today about it. And I was like, I just got to remember, yes, I want to be prepared. And yes, I want to have great slides and all of the things I'm stressing about. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is for me to show up and listen listen to the energy, listen to the needs of the people there. When I talk to people, like the couple days before I speak, listen to what it is they're saying inside so that when I get up and speak, it's not me talking, it's me responding. That's like just made such a huge difference in my life in speaking impeccably. So I'm going to cover those how-tos. Stand in your power because when you're loving yourself and standing in your power, you don't need to puff up and say snarky things you're not gossiping at that yeah. point and number two check how you speak to yourself tend to your own soil number three is forgive yourself the bonus is watch your tells <laughs> and then forgive yourself when your tell pops up right number four is the barometer is it kind is it true is it necessary and number five how to speak more impeccably that has been so helpful for me is listen with intent and that is our read-along number one booyah Thank you, Don Miguel Ruiz. One time he reposted, and I don't know if it was him or his team, he reposted something that I put on Instagram. That's and it cool. Was the best day of my life. That's cool. I want to say one more thing before we close, too, because this can seem overwhelming and like, oh, this agreement's tough and there's all these open ended things. The next three agreements just back this up. Yes. Like it, it totally wraps it up. Also, in a we nice talked package. about the agreement even longer than the actual agreement takes to read. Yeah, just read Just the to point that out there. Yeah. So, <laughs> we had so much to say. So if there's any. Um, discouragement or anything just just hang with us it gets it gets really beautiful so we hope you guys are excited about the read-along i'm super excited about the next three agreements they're all as as fun as this one like eric said you can again find like how to join get some notifications we're sending out cute images which with each of the agreements and you just join at the allisonshow.com forward slash Read along. Read along is all one word. Baby, do you have a review for us? I do. This is a this is a long one, but it's good. This is from Betsy from Colorado. She says, I'm writing this review because last week Eric had nothing to read and Allison almost cried. Just kidding. Okay, that's from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks, Betsy. She says, just kidding. I'm writing it because it's long overdue. I started listening to the show back in the first handful of episodes and consider myself a wise OG because of it. Allison and Eric have been encouraging me and pouring into my life with wisdom and depth since day one. Book review slash recommendations, thought nuggets, changes in perspective that literally sets a different course. Last year, my seven-year-old son was diagnosed with cancer. I know, right? Suddenly, I couldn't listen to anything. Good music, public radio, my favorite podcast, nothing felt right. I had to take a break from The Allison Show because it was too hopeful. I needed to wallow. Every time I tried to listen, I felt light and freedom, and for that reason, I needed to rest in 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 my dark night of the soul. 
And you know what? I knew that was okay because it wasn't the show that was making me capable of surviving this hardship. I was already as awesome as I needed to be, and I believed that. So I set the show aside, and once I was able to come back to it, it felt like walking into open arms. Still there, still supportive, still ready to fill my tank. As I have navigated the trauma recovery and healing post-cancer, I have been so encouraged by the show. The most powerful thing I've taken away in a while is this. You can have two opposing beliefs in the same breath. That has been something I've been clinging to as we live both in a beautiful and really, really hard world. Allison and Eric are always there to show up and teach with authenticity and grace. Their energy is contagious. The commitment is inspiring. And really, they just remind us that we don't need them for any of it. We are already as awesome as we need to be. Thank you, Allison and Eric, for being part of the whole story. Holy crap. That was... You knew what you were doing to me with that one, didn't you? Betsy knew too. Betsy, you're a warrior. You're a goddess. It's an honor to be any part of your beautiful story and your beautiful child. I'm so sorry for, oh, that's really hard. And I'm so sorry for the hard. And I'm so grateful for you sharing that story so that we could read it. Because I know that listening to that is going to help somebody right now. I love that you took a break <laughs> from us. I couldn't recommend it more. No, I hope you like felt so supported by me like in that break, knowing like Allison would want me to do this because I would and I do. And I'm I'm so excited to send you goodies. So shoot us an email at awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com. Today, Eric, in stories, I saw her name is Nicole Ma. So Nicole, if this is a bonus, I saw you on Instagram today. You said, all caught up. And she said, officially all caught up. I've been rationing an episode a day now, and I have to wait each week for a new episode like a normal person now. <laughs> Thanks, Allison and Eric, for talking about the hard stuff while making me smile with little moments of joy. So, Nicole, shoot us an email at awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com, too, because holy crap, you listened to 115, now 116 episodes. I love that you were rationing them out one a day. I just can't even imagine. That's so much of us in your ear. That's awesome. And we're just so grateful like it means so much when you guys share and man you're just doing a really good job even if you say crappy things or you gossip or you're not impeccable with your word or you don't want to read this book you're just gonna listen to the podcast that's still so great and I support you a hundred percent in any part of what you're doing and I want to remind you like Betsy said that only you can be you and you are already as awesome as you need to be. What are you going to take us out on, sexy this, lover? This uh, song is sweet. It's called Me Time, Part 2. Ooh, perfect. In the, in, you know, the theme of self-care and self-love. Yeah. Here's Me Time, Part 2 at Pictures <laughs> Music Club. 